When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Spartan Pride Podcast. I'm Jonathan Shop. Here hosting this new podcast on the Fans First Sports Network where we are going to talk all things Michigan State Athletics from top to bottom, left to right, and any other directions that are identified and discovered in the meantime. You may be wondering what this show's going to be. I don't know. I can't tell you. I've got some ideas how it's going to start. We're going to look at some interesting things including the 10th year anniversary of Michigan State's 13 and 1. 2013 third ranked Spartan football team. I had a nice long chat with Mark D'Antonio about that team last week to kind of kick things off. And we'll actually be taking a look at that team on a step-by-step, week-by-week basis, game-by-game, if you will, that'll help hopefully kill some time here during the dog days of the football calendar when there's not a ton going on relative to the coming season in an organized fashion. As many of you know, fall camps will begin in August. Essentially, teams are doing less than organized activities at this time, meaning they're not official practices. So what a great time to look back in detail on a week-by-week basis at maybe the best team Michigan State had during the Mark D'Antonio era and maybe the best team the Spartans have fielded and really the best season since some of the very best seasons in the country. I'm talking about the national titles of the 60s. We're going to get to Coach D'Antonio in a bit. We're going to talk a little bit after he's done as well about just some of the neat things this team was able to do in 2013 and what they were expected to do coming into the year. As some of you may know, and if you know my work from Spartan Nation for all those years, thanks very much for finding us. I hope you enjoy it, and I look forward to hearing from you. I always look forward to hearing from people that have read my work or enjoyed my work. Believe it or not, not everybody has enjoyed it. Sometimes there is heat that comes about, and it really honestly comes from all directions. And that's fine. That's part of doing this kind of stuff. I've done this for a long, long time now. And for those of you that know my work from Spartan Nation from 2009 through the Peach Bowl triumphant in 2021, I think you have an idea of what to expect. We can get into my background and history at a later show, not too far down the road. And we can talk more about some of the work I did at Spartan Nation and all the praise and critique and 
anger and happiness that was shared or came out of that stuff. But I could tell you this, guarantee you this. Everything we talk about on this show, I'm going to give it to you straight. I'm going to tell you what I think you need to hear, not what you want to hear, and not what you don't need to hear. My goal is to call it like it is, tell you what I see, why I see it that way, how I came to see it that way, and help you enjoy your experience as a fan of all things Michigan State Athletics. Last week was a good one down here in the Atlanta area. A lot of Spartans came out for MSU Atlanta Day, spent time with Mel Tucker. We'll have an interview with him coming very soon. I spent time with Bobby Williams talking very specifically about a very famous catch in a way that I don't think Bobby Williams has ever really broken down. And we haven't heard much from Bobby Williams in Michigan State or Spartan Nation for a long, long time. It was great to see Bobby and reflect on his individual view of that play. And yes, of course I'm talking smoker to duck it. And also of what that play was supposed to be. Because I don't think many folks realize things got a little hay got, haywire, a little hectic there at the end of that ball game. I was on the nine-yard line talking to Bobby Williams about that, so I actually had about as good a view of he did as what was going on, but needless to say, his eyes were looking elsewhere most of that play, as were most Spartan fans on the edge of their seat hoping for something very special to happen. So stay tuned. We're going to have probably a little episode about that play catch with Bobby Williams involved. We will get to Mel Tucker with thoughts about the offseason, turmoil in college football, quarterback competition. But why don't we start the Spartan Pride podcast. Looking back at 2013 and setting the table for a detailed and in-depth look back by playing the audio of the interview I had with Mark D'Antonio Thursday before Memorial Day weekend. When we get out of that, we'll have some reflections on what the coach said. We'll take a look back at what we were expecting from that 2013 Michigan State team. And I'll tee up for you the article series that's going to go along with our look back on a week-by-week basis. And it's not edited, folks. You're going to look back at exactly what I wrote back in early 2013 and later, of course, in the fall. We're going to have some fun. We're going to call it like it is. We're going to dissect all things green and white, Michigan State Athletics. We're going to do it all here on the Fans First Sports Network. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark D'Antoni and Jonathan Shaw back at MSU Atlanta Day. We've probably done this over 10 times, Coach, over the We probably years. have down here in Atlanta, you know, uh, but uh, it's a great event and uh, happy to be here and seeing you again. It is great to see you. You know, one of the years we did it, of course, was 2013. Coming off the 2012 year, not a whole lot of expectations, unless you looked closely. Some people forgot, and I did until last night, Fofanodi injury, uh, Tyler Hoover, Travis Jackson. The 2012 team was not far, and I don't want to say they're as far away as that one fumble whistle, but how close was the 2012 team to breaking out before we got into 2013? Yeah, you know, really the 12 team, uh, we lost thir- five games by 13 points total. You know, I think a double overtime game, you know, we had a big pick and had the Nebraska game put out, put away, and, and uh, they called it back and things like that. So it was a tough year, but that's sort of really 
when I was at the banquet after that year and I said, you will be the ones, I really felt strongly that, that we had the core group of guys that could win a championship, that we were going to play great defense, and if we just came up with a little bit more here or there, maybe don't make a mistake here or there, that you know, uh, things were going to be very, very positive. So we were close. We were very, very close. We were a 7-6 and six team and uh, played with everybody. And your football team that loses Le'Veon Bell, who goes on to be the best running back in the sport. Oh, yeah. And Will Golston, who I think is maybe still even still playing. Still playing. Which is Tampa incredible. Bay. What did you see, if anything, during that offseason? Or did you already know? Because everyone knows about the famous video when you walk through the Rose Bowl. But what did you see in that offseason, knowing that maybe there's a quarterback controversy? But you Did you all have an idea that this is ready to bust out in a positive way? Well, I think every year we went into the season saying we were going to win every game and, uh, and you know play it from there. But uh, I just had a very good feeling about the core group of our players, the leadership and uh, – you know, we lost those three guys, three NFL players, off of that that didn't play in 13, which is amazing that we would go 13 and one without uh, without those guys. But uh, we got great quarterback play from Connor Cook. Um, we were able to run the ball. We had number one defense in the country. You know, people forget Mike Geiger comes onto the scene and he's he's money. All of a sudden, we're making. We're, I don't. I think he might have missed one one field goal maybe all year. So. Uh, you know, we were right there, and uh, you know, I think we won every game by double digits in Big Ten. And but uh, you never really know. But I had a good feel because of the core group of people at, at the leadership position, and uh, they were ready to go, and they were confident. You and I may disagree on this one. I think the team took off at Illinois when they seemed to put the foot on the gas. Others have pointed to a game maybe earlier in the year. From your perspective, kind of the most important on the football program. Where was the point where you? maybe thought to yourself or looking back you realize okay this is where this thing went from potentially good to potentially great uh really there were a lot of different turning points in the in the season really but the Iowa game was really very 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 big you know going to Iowa and playing and winning going to Nebraska and winning uh was was a big moment as well so you know when you're able to do that on the road against pretty good football teams you know you start believing a little bit more but it, it was a type of thing where every game was a challenge every game there was a story behind every game and uh, sort of caught fire you know so one of those guys that caught fire was Keith Mumphrey he's a guy that I said was sneaky fast sneaky strong yeah how much did he develop or was it really just a matter of timing of the opportunities because he turned out to be an absolutely great Big Ten running back uh, you're gonna have to redo that because he's a wide out uh, not Keith Mumphrey I'm sorry the running back. Why am I losing my mind? Oh, Jeremy Lang. Yeah, Jeremy Langford. Yes, yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, there there were there were some question marks going into the season. You know, quarterback had a little quarterback controversy. Who's going to be our tailback? Actually, moved Riley Bullitt to tailback in the spring, and then sort of reversed first our way. But uh, Jeremy was a guy sort of that was played running back, wide receiver, defensive back, safety, corner. It's all over the place, and finally went back to running back, and all of a sudden he just hit it, and he became a a, a threat to go all the way at any time, and he was a very durable running back and uh, did an outstanding job. I got to ask you about the kick six. The reason I got to ask you about the kick six is some people saw the kick six live and thought to themselves, "Holy cow! Michigan State is nearly assured of a Rose Bowl." Now, as a head coach, I imagine you never have that popping through your head. But were you guys aware of the kick six at the end of that season when it was happening? 
No. Okay. Um, I wasn't. What What are you talking about? The uh, Auburn returns. Oh yeah, that to win that, that game, which arguably guaranteed Michigan State a Rose Bowl berth. That that happened earlier in the day, I think. Yes. So I was uh, I was unaware of that. You know, I did think that at, at twelve and one there was a there should have been a little bit more discussion of us being in the, in the championship game, but. Yeah, I actually talked to um, Randy Etzel about that the next year. What would Michigan State and Florida State have been like? And he thought it would have been extremely close. You know, it would have been a great oh, matchup yeah. between, of course, offense and defense uh, yeah. on 10. Um, there's no reason to revisit the Notre Dame game. It's revisionist history. The game was called how it was called, and you never know how the season's going to go after that. But there is a, maybe a point to make about your team putting its foot and moving forward from a frustrating day. Yeah, I thought we did a good job bouncing back from that football game. You know, there were five pass interference penalties, and I was on the phone. And we had a bye the next week, yep. which probably was a good thing so we could sort of just sort of settle ourselves a little bit. And, uh, you know, a lot could be talked about whether to, I should have went back with Connor Cook or, or not, but I also felt like, uh, like Andrew Maxwell deserved an op- opportunity to, to show, even though it was a tough situation for him. But, but um I don't know. You know, I talked to Bill Carrillo. I talked to all the different people, you know, and, you know, I have people agreeing with me. But, you know, the one thing that I found in coaching, you can, you can bitch and moan about a, about a call, whether it be on the sideline or after the game. But nobody's ever picked up the flag and said, you know what, Coach, you're right. They still haven't, have you, they? They've never picked it up. So, you know, <laughs> you've got to deal with it and you've got to move on. And I thought we did a good job moving on. Part of the legacy of this team is it really took everybody from top to bottom yeah, Starting did. with the We Are One campaign when you first got there, fast forward, it all kind of comes together. Everybody plays a role. This is an exciting year. It's a 10th anniversary year. We're going to walk through every game again. I'm going to walk back through and through all the game stories, which will be a lot of fun because there's a lot of stuff we forget. You have not forgotten apparently anything, but there's a lot of stuff that fans forget. When you look back here, starting the 10th anniversary, there's going to be a lot of celebration, I'm sure, this year. What do you think as a standout legacy of this football team in 2013? Well, the legacy of the team is, is a championship team. Not that we didn't win a championship before you know, we were co-champions in 10, but if people really want to look back, this, this journey to the Rose Bowl started back in 07. I'm actually going to write a book or started to write a book on um, you know, sort of the whole thing getting there, but that didn't just happen that year. That started in 07 when we got there, and Mark Gallis said we won't this won't end until we put our feet in the middle of the Rose Bowl at the 50-yard line. And that's where it ended. But uh, uh, so there's so many thing, different things that, that went into the this, this season. And uh, legacy of the, of the team, what I would like to say is, uh, what was, our, what was our, our, our phrase, chase it? Chase it that year. Yes, it was not P4RB. It might have no. been chase it. Uh, People forget how close we were to being there in 11 against Wisconsin. Uh, well, uh, and I mean, so when we got back to the championship game and there was a mm-hmm. Ohio State to play, we'd been in that locker room before. We'd had a tough day. We'd fight, had some adversity. But again, you know, after the game, it's like, hey, we did, we did the best we could do. Got to move forward and, and learn from these things and make it a positive. And I think that's what we did. When we got back there, you know, we were ready to go. One day we should revisit the ruling on the, the 2011, the the, um, the roughing the punter, oh. because I got I had that rule posted on my refrigerator for two years. Yeah, that section of the rule, but that's for another day. He is Mark yeah. D'Antonio. my guy, my uh, uh, the, the head referee. Every time he sees me, he 
he still hangs his head and says, I hated making that call. I, yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. You need to get technical and have a copy of the old rules and look at one section that I know Coach Izzo reviewed uh, after that as well. And well, you know, it, it's amazing what you, what you, <clears throat> the little things, you know, one, one of our players, instead of rushing the punt, backed out. Well, that drew the blocker. And so he was able to wing Isaiah Lewis. Okay. And knock him off course and. So it's, it's little things, I think. It's little things, and we did the little things in, in 13 that uh, put us over the hump. Yeah, I don't know that you've ever talked about that specifically, so I appreciate that little nugget too. Folks, he's Mark D'Antonio, all-time winningest coach in Michigan State history. To many, the greatest coach in Michigan State history. Thanks for wow. spending the time to revisit 2013. Thanks for having me on, and uh, go green. Mark D'Antonio, folks. How about that for some memory? Holy cow, was that a lot of information and a lot of reflection after a fantastic year. But as you heard, we dipped a little into 2012 and we actually dipped into 2011, which is something we are going to revisit at some point in time. Another show for sure about the organic rivalry that grew between Brett Bielema's Wisconsin Badgers and Mark D'Antonio's Michigan State Spartans. Let's put a pin in that. That's for another day later this summer. Let's talk about what D'Antonio had to say there. You know, he and I have done interviews at MSU Atlanta Day for well over 10 years. It goes pretty far back. And it's one thing when you do it one year and then the next. It's another thing when you do it and a whole lot happens. And we're talking about more than a decade later. So what a neat way to spend some time reflecting with the coach after his career as a coach is done and after the bulk of my career as a media member covering Michigan State is also done. Boy, did he have a lot to say about the 2012 team, you know. And so did the Leaf Blowers, by the way. That was not lost upon us. Unfortunately, we had some bad timing and location with the Leaf Blowers flying, but thankfully they weren't too bad. Coach D talked about the 2012 team that lost five games by 13 points total. So when you're watching games this fall and you hear a coach say, I don't really remember that or I don't really know about that, talking about a past year or even in the same season, you're probably right to think that they maybe do, but they don't want to talk about it at that time. That's what was pretty revealing when we started getting into it with Coach D was how open he was to maybe discussing things that he wouldn't have necessarily reflected on or wanted to spend too much time on when he was actively still coaching at MSU. He did talk about the reliance on a very solid defense after 2012. When you look back now, we don't realize uh, how good the defense was in 2012. With a 7-6 and six record, you don't think that much of it, but in reality, the defense was probably the leading indicator of what was to come. Coach D said, hey, we knew we were close. And he said that, again, Michigan State football took the approach under Mark D'Antonio every single week. And honestly, he told you from the day he pretty much arrived that they were preparing to win every game. You have to go into it with the mentality that we can win every game. And that mentality, to be honest with you, is a reasonable part about what takes a team from 7-6 and six to 13-1. and one. Knowing you're close is one thing. Knowing your core is strong is another. 
Replacing three NFL guys is a big deal as well. It sure does help when you have a really good kicker. Listen, kicking is a big deal at Michigan State. It always will be. Look at the Big Ten trophies. Michigan State Spartans are on the punting trophy. They're on the kicking trophy. Arguably the most famous and successful kicker in the history of the sport, Morton Anderson, who is, of course, a uh, person that lives in Atlanta and continues to stay around football and around kicking. So kicking always matters at Michigan State. What a huge shot in the arm it was. As we look back through this year on a week-by-week basis, Michael Geiger's name is going to come up often. And as you could tell, Coach D, very quick to remember his enormous contributions. You know, when you talk about the 2013 team, it is a team that won all the Big Ten games by double digits. That is not very common. There's a lot of people that claim that the 2013 team is the most underrated team in college football from that decade. I leave that for you to think about and debate on another day. I know this. If they went 2013 in 2023, there'd be a whole lot more attention, love, and hype, no matter what team that was. Uh, As long as it's a major college team, whether it be Michigan State or Auburn or Oregon, whatever, you go 13-1 these days, you're going to get at least the hype you deserve, if not overly hyped. It is interesting to think about that team in that year, about what maybe the turning point or the exclamation point, the fifth gear moment was. For some folks, it was the second half of Illinois when they dropped the pedal. That's what I remember. I know Connor Cook and Coach D have talked in the past both about Iowa, and he also mentioned the power of winning on the road at Nebraska. It's hard to explain to younger folks out there who may not totally get it, but Nebraska was still a very big deal in 2012, 2013, really until kind of the middle part of the 2010s. It wasn't the Nebraska of the 80s and 90s, but it was still a massive force. And as Coach D would describe, you know, 40,000 people sitting in the end zone trying to play at Nebraska is never easy. It never was easy. But it's probably easier today in 2023 than it would have been in 2013. There's no doubt about that. He did mention, of course, that there's a story behind every game every week. And we're going to look back at those and enjoy them. And that includes that Notre Dame game. You know, for anybody that thought the flags weren't that big of a deal, and as you heard, I really didn't want to get into that too much or ask him about that. Didn't take long for Coach D to remember that there were five pers- uh, pass interference flags thrown that day. All five mattered, but the bye week after maybe mattered more. You know, I remember covering that game and listening to the radio as Jim Miller explained something you do not hear often after a game, which was that I'm not sure the better team won today. That's a paraphrase, but it's exactly what Jim Miller said, and he proved out to be totally correct. Five pass interference flags that day. There's a lot of opinions about that game and what happens if it goes this way and what happens if it goes that way. It is kind of funny that Coach D took time to mention bringing Andrew Maxwell back into that game. We'll revisit that in more detail when we get to that game in our look back on a pod-by-pod basis. You also mentioned the book, huh? I imagine that caught your ear. Sounds like Coach D is working on a book. That will be very interesting. So we are looking forward to that and Enjoy that little piece of breaking news, if you will. 
And then how about at the end? Talking about the 2011 punt return gone wrong against Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. We will look back at that on another day. But let me just tell you, I don't remember him explaining, at least in public, or at least very often, the confusion at the line of scrimmage, the little things that tripped up Michigan State on that play where one one player backed out, didn't rush the punt, and that ended up spurning Isaiah Lewis on to a very controversial roughing or running into the punter penalty that has a very specific technical definition that will take a little research because I think they have updated the rule on that one. But as you heard, it caught a lot of people's attention, and I'd love to hear Coach Izzo and Coach Narduzzi's thought on that looking back a long time ago. And yes, I did have that thing, that section of the rule on my refrigerator for a couple of years. I think it finally came down shortly after the Spartans' Rose Bowl victory in really the last traditional Rose Bowl against Stanford on New Year's Day of 2014. We got a lot to look forward to. We're just getting started. I hope you enjoyed Coach D. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Spartan Pride Podcast here on the Fans First Sports Network. We will be back sooner than later. We will be back often. And I hope you enjoy it, whether it's in the morning, the day, the night, whatever. I'm looking forward to talking and interacting with you about all things Michigan State sports here on the Spartan Pride Podcast.